0: Welcome to Little Detours with Regina Brett, where we help you create a life you love out of the life you have. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Regina Brett. Fellowship that is called Alcoholics Anonymous turns 85 years old on June 10th, 2020. It has never had a president. It has no professionals running it. It doesn't even have budgets. There are no dues or fees for membership. Just a bunch of people who want to stay sober, plopping a buck or two in the basket. At every meeting. And yet, here it is, turning 85. It took a lot of detours and determination for the fellowship that was born in Akron, Ohio, to launch and to thrive, to sober up 2 million or more alcoholics all over the world. How does it work? How has it survived and thrived for 85 years? Our guest today, Gail L., will share a bit of that history and the hope AA still offers all who wanna stay sober. Gail L. helped create the Akron AA Archives and served as the AA archivist from 1994 to 2009. She's given countless talks at AA conferences and often speaks at Founders Day, which happens every June in Akron, Ohio. She became archivist to Dr. Bob's home in 2009 and still oversees it. Gail, thanks for joining us today.
1: Hey, hello, Regina. Thank you for having me. Beautiful introduction about the miracle
0: of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I want to talk about that that humble beginning. You know, we were talking before the interview here. Paint a picture for us of the time period we're talking: Skid Row alcoholics, no hope at all. Right. I'd like to set
1: the stage for that because I don't think you can appreciate what we have today, which is so many treatment centers and so much talk about 12-step work. That there was a time, once upon a time, where none of that, where people died in the streets, where people went into jitter joints and asylums. And uh, it was like a moral issue. Uh, so it was truly uh, a light came into the world in 1935. And it took place in Akron, Ohio, where two guys from Vermont, two of our co-founders, Dr. Bob and Bill Wilson. Uh, Dr. Bob was an Akron physician uh, who had set up residency in Akron. And Bill Wilson was a stock speculator from New York. They had not met ever before in Vermont, but it was certainly providential that both of them would come from Vermont. They were about 15 years apart. Both of them were chronic alcoholics. They had managed in two separate locations. Actually, Akron's a rubber town. And it had a lot. You had the Firestones from Firestone Tire and Rubber Company, and you had the Cyberlings from the Goodyear Company. And both those prominent families would play a role in the establishment of what we know today as Alcoholics
0: Anonymous. Well, it's interesting that it happened in Akron, Ohio, because like you said, it was a tire company. I remember when you had to roll your windows up when you drove through Akron because the smell of rubber was in the air. Yeah, it did. It did. But, you know, it proved to be providential as well
1: because uh, Harvey Farstone had several sons, and one of them was a terrible alcoholic. And because there was no cure for alcoholism, the family had given up hope. But there was a prior movement to AA called the Oxford Group Movement, which was basically, it was a beautiful program where most of our principles came from, and it was returned to first century Christianity. And it had managed to sober up the Firestone son, Russell. And the father, like the prodigal son story, was so grateful for his son's recovery that he invites the leaders of this group to Akron, and he puts them up in a newly opened uh, hotel called the Mayflower Hotel. And the son gives testimony to recovery from his alcoholism, and they keep this group of anywhere from 40 to 60 in town for 10 days. Uh, at that point, you have uh, a woman by the name of Henrietta Cyperling and Dr. Bob's wife, Ann Smith, got involved, and they got Dr. Bob involved. And for two and a half years, Dr. Bob changed his life. He went back to church. He was Going to meetings, he was doing everything they told him to do, but he couldn't get sober. Even though that group had most
0: of the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. Interesting Um, that that was the beginning of the Oxford group, and people don't realize that this was kind of a, a shift in like a spiritual movement. Like church wasn't working for alcoholics back then. Well, you know,
1: we were externally focused on clergy the thing that that happened with the Oxford group uh, that it brought to the West was this internal relationship. You know, uh, AA is a spiritual program. You know, it's a God of your understanding. It's not dogmatic. And so it kind of shifted the perspective here. And uh, Bill Wilson doesn't have much time left. The doctors have forewarned his wife, Lois, and he's put into Towns Hospital for the fourth time. But he has some, he is, He knows about the Oxford group. He's got a friend that's sobered up. And he says this prayer. And he asks that there be a God, let him show him to me now. And he has a spiritual experience. And while he's in that spiritual experience, he sees how he might be able to help other alcoholics recover. So he begins to work with alcoholics, but he doesn't have much luck.
0: But he stays sober. You know, that spiritual experience, I've heard people describe Bill Wilson talking about it almost like a York Peppermint Patty commercial, like the cool breeze blowing through him. I mean, it was pretty profound, right? It was. And he looked different. And so when he
1: comes to Akron, he's done nothing but try to help other alcoholics. But he hasn't been able to do that. They were bringing him into his home. They were feeding him. They were doing all this. He's on a business trip. He's a failed businessman. He's coming into Akron for a proxy fight for a company called national rubber machinery shop he's at the hotel the same hotel where in january 33 they brought the oxford group in and the deal falls apart and he hears tinkling of the glasses in the bar and he's now tempted to throw away his months of sobriety since december this is in may he's going to think about going into that bar but he realizes that if he can find another alcoholic to work with, he can keep his sobriety and stay sober. He sees the phone. He walks over to the phone in the lobby. He puts a nickel in that phone. And he from the director, he picks the most perfect name he could pick. Because this Reverend Tunks, who he calls, is going to put him in touch with several people that are members of the Oxford Group. And he eventually gets down to this Henrietta Cyberling, who's been worried about Dr. Bob has been in this group for two and a half years and hasn't gotten sober. So she's praying for him every
0: day. So I want to pause for just a moment. That idea that he had to help somebody else to help himself. That's kind of the bedrock of AA is that you work with the next person. And even way back then, that was the beginning. Regina, he said,
1: I needed Bob more than he needed me. So you see coming those two men with some... um, exposure to the Oxford group and through Henrietta Cyberling's prayer. That's the detour, right? That's the the thread, the prayer, the thread that connects the two men. And she gets this call from Bill Wilson from the lobby of the Mayflower Hotel. She's a proper gal. uh, She's been raised to marry a Vanderbilt. She's from, this is high society. And he calls her up and he says, I'm a rum hound from New York. I'm a member of the Oxford group and I'm looking for another alcoholic. She thinks, mana from heaven, you come over here right now. I've
0: got just something for you. This is the answer to her prayer. I I love that the answer to her prayer is a rum hound. It's just a drunk. It's a guy who just has messed up his life. That's That's the answer to her prayers. That's the
1: amazing
0: thing in this story. This is
1: high society. and, And he's a total stranger, but her faith. Think about how strongly she trusted the principles of the Oxford group, which is really important because I think it's what allowed this series of synchronicity, you could call it detours, I call it slender threads. This is a miraculous story of events that unfold because what the Oxford group people were doing was something called a morning quiet time or guidance they got up every morning and they asked God to direct their lives. And then they intuitively were
0: working towards doing God's will all day long. You know, it's fascinating, the whole idea of uh, this spiritual program from way back from the Oxford group. I've heard many people say religion is for people who are afraid of hell. Spirituality is for people who have been there. And that how that kind of describes Bill W. Well, because you have to
1: have that ego deflation. The crack has to come in this system that's not working for, for, for the people. You know, they're, they're in the throes of a, an addiction, a possession. And until that pain comes, until that desperation comes, does the crack come or the light comes in? So the two men, and this is a really beautiful day. It's Mother's Day weekend when they're going to get together. Imagine how it's changed the lives of mothers and children on mm-hmm. that day. A light will come into the dark world of the alcoholic. A spark will be struck in this little tiny gate lodge. It's not in the big manor house. It doesn't take place on this palatial grounds of the cyberlings, the Goodyear people. She's living, she's separated from her husband. She's living in this little tiny gate lodge. And the two men, Bob doesn't want to meet Bill, but when they got together, they ended up, going back into her little library. They spent the rest of the evening together. And that would be really the spark, the beginning of
0: what eventually would become Alcoholics Anonymous because Bill's going to stay in town. And meanwhile, Bill's married and his wife has stayed with him through all these ups and downs and crazy adventures. Yes. There is a beautiful story about the women behind the
1: men in Alcoholics Anonymous. But that was a time in our history where women stayed in the background. But they were strongly supportive of the men. And so what happens is they know, both Bob and Bill know, that they can't stay sober unless they give it away. So they begin trying to find others to pass this message on to. They're not quite sure how to do that, but they know that's what they have to do. And eventually they end up at City Hospital in Akron where Dr. Bob uh, is a physician there. A surgeon there and they have some guy locked down and they go in and they visit him and they share their story and it catches with this guy and on july 4th of 1935 bill d is going to walk out of city hospital a free man to never drink again and that begins the first group of alcoholics anonymous so we have another holiday we have the beginning of it on mother's day But I like to say whenever you see fire in the sky, it's Independence
0: Day for alcoholics as well. (laughs) That's a great way to phrase it. Now, Dr. Bob, his last drink, that is counted as kind of the beginning of AA, June 10th.
1: Yes.
0: His first day sober.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. He didn't stay sober when Bill first called on him. He went away to a medical convention, drank there, came back, sobered up. And uh, stayed sober up until 1950 when he dies. But what I want to tell you, Regina, is, you know, they don't know what they have. They call this the flying blind period. They have the principles of the Oxford group. They're going to meetings of the Oxford group. But inside the Oxford group, there's going to be a little group that forms. It's like a subgroup. And they called it the alcoholic squad. And <laughs> The alcoholic squad. I love that. They're meeting with all these high society people and everything, but there's this little group of them in this home where they're meeting. They met in homes back then and they called them house parties. And so the new guys couldn't sit still for the meditation in this guidance part, which was really intense. It was long and they would write down what they got and discuss it. And the guys that were just newly sober couldn't sit still So they would go into the upper room with Dr. Bob and have their own meeting. But that little group that formed would eventually leave that home, go into Dr. Bob's house briefly, and then go into what we call King's School. There's a a school here called King's School, and it's group number one that began in January of 1940. It was four and a half years with the Oxford group before we broke away.
0: And that was in Akron ohio, so dr Bob 's house is in Akron you got King's School in Akron, and you 've got the hospital, which played a big role where Dr. Bob was to really start to treat alcoholism
1: differently medically right until in thirty nine they start working with Sister Ignatia at St. Thomas Hospital, which was really uh, Dr. Bob is going to work, and this is such an amazing story with almost 5,000 people, and he never charged a dime. He would say taking out insurance on his sobriety. Now, meanwhile, Bill is going to go back in the fall of 35. He stays in Akron. He goes back, and he starts a group in New York that is in his home. So in 39, uh, well, actually, uh, even before that, because they're going to decide to write a book, in order to carry this message out, because how are you going to get this beautiful message of recovery out if you're playing telephone? You know how wacky that little game goes. So in 1937, they have, they meet at Dr. Bob's house. Bob and Bill and Anne, Bob's wife, are at 855 Ardmore, where Bill had stayed and where they had rehabilitated a lot of alcoholics in that home. They're, they're back together and they count 40 noses sober. They had 40 people sober in 37, in the fall of 37. And they realized something had happened. It had taken hold. And they bowed their head in thanksgiving and, and prayer and then decided that they should write a book. So in this period of time, there's only two groups. There's one in New York and one in Akron. But all the recovery is coming out of Akron because Dr. Bob's a physician and he's able to put him in the hospital You know, and a doctor's had so much respect and he was able to really, he was the prince of what we call 12-stepping when you work with another alcoholic. So he was able to really establish it. And when the first book comes out in April of 39, fifths of
0: the stories of recovery in that book are coming from Akron, Ohio. That is truly amazing. Before we get into the big book, as it's called, I want to pause for a moment. um, The woman in AA at Founders Day in Akron, Ohio. In June, they always have a big, giant photo of Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob, and they also have a nun, Sister Mary Ignatia. And you know the story much better than I do, but what I love about her story is she was a music teacher, and the way I heard it was, she kind of had a nervous breakdown, and they kind of scooted her out of the way to put her somewhere harmless, so to speak. Tell us about Sister Mary Ignatia.
1: Well, it's pretty providential that, you know, you're talking about detours here, Regina, in your show. She needed to take a big detour because we need her at the admissions desk at St. Thomas Hospital. That's where, that's where God needs her, right? And she loves Dr. Bob and Dr. Bob had worked with a lot of alcoholics and he'd worn out his welcome at City Hospital. And so he needs a place to put his patients and he goes to her. And this is hilarious. There's no place there, but she found a flower room. Now, a flower room is where they (laughs) do the flowers for for to go into the patient's room. And they moved the first guy to ever be admitted there. They moved him into the flower room. Now, can you imagine when he woke up out of his alcoholic stupor and saw those flowers? You probably thought he was at a
0: funeral home, right? (laughs) Or in the cemetery.
1: (laughs) Right, right, right. So that began the beginning of the ward at St. Thomas Hospital. And what's really interesting for Akron, the movie really hasn't been done on Akron. Because Bob is, in, is only going to live 15 years, and he doesn't write much. Bill's going to write the book of experiences coming out of Akron. A lot of the work of sobering up alcoholics, they're flying in from all over. We've gotten a little publicity along the way. People are finding out about AA, and they're coming to Akron to get, quote, the cure. And when there wasn't beds, the homes in Akron, the people, the early members, the pioneering members, They opened up their home and they took these people in. I'd like to tell you a story about a man who came to Akron from Detroit, and he was very, very sick. Now, these are the the, both co-founders thought the depression was providential, because during dark times like maybe now, people come together, and they were all helping each other at a time like this, and so. He comes in and he's sick. And I mean, they almost ready to foreclose on Dr. Bob's home. There's not enough food. There was a lot of potato dishes. Things were really tough, but they brought him in. But he was very sick. And after a while, he was going to leave. And he was thinking about maybe taking his own life because he had overstayed his welcome. And Ann Smith was so good at her morning quiet time, this guidance. And she, she knew that. She went to him and she said, Archie as long as we have a home our home is your home and he stayed with the smiths for ten and a half months and he said i was literally nurtured back to health by the love of ann smith now see what he did is he went back to detroit and he started aa in detroit earl t came in from chicago they were they were coming in and they would they would go either go into the homes or the, or the treatment centers that we had, these makeshift treatment centers, they would get the principles, they would get dried out, they would get the principles, they would get fed or whatever, have the experience, and they would go back and start AA in their community. So those early years, are, are, are pioneering years, are so many beautiful stories come out of that time. And uh, in fact, I just want to mention, you were talking about this being the 85th year. Well, every year we have a Founder's Day to celebrate Dr.
0: Bob's last drink,
1: and there's thousands—sometimes eight to twelve thousand people come.
0: It's Kind of like Mecca, people come from all over the world,
1: and and they, yeah, and they're moved. They have spiritual experiences. This is the thing that saved their life, and so it's very emotional. And it's a very beautiful experience in Akron for that weekend. Um, this year, we the weekend. Uh, because the coronavirus will be held online. um, And I know you're going to have some websites that you're going to tell folks about so that they can find out more about that. We already have 10,000 people signed up
0: for that weekend. That is amazing. We're at the halfway mark. So I want to pause and thank you for listening to Little Detours with Regina Brett. And to our guest, we have Gail L, Akron AA Archivist, and Archivist for Dr. Bob's Home. I know you have many podcast choices, and I'm grateful you chose to listen to mine. Uh, Gail, you're talking about Founders Day, and it's going to be virtual this year. Founders Day—it's such a powerful thing. A little Akron, Ohio, that was known for tires and Goodyear—it is known all over the world as the lifeline that has helped so many people stay sober. And you've spoken there. What's it like? What's it experience like to be surrounded by thousands of recovering alcoholics who are so joyful just to be alive?
1: Well, it's a spiritual experience in itself. It's a vibration like no other. You know, what's really interesting is AA meetings start out with the serenity prayer. And I, I was uh, I, I was talking to you about Archie getting sober and going back to Detroit. So I'm going to tie this in with Founders Day. But we also, every five years, have something called an international. And at an international, all the countries from around the world come. Now, AA is in about 150 different countries. The book is published in over 70 different languages. So um, we all speak the same language in different languages. And we get together every year in Akron, but worldwide every five years. And Archie that took AA to Detroit, we were going to have that international in Detroit, which sadly has been canceled. But I've been to other internationals as well as Founders Day. I've never missed the Founders Day, uh, but I've been to other internationals and what's really amazing is when the flags come in from all the different countries even the native american brings in a flag but it's a peace pipe and at the at the last one in atlanta he danced through the whole thing it's a it's a unity it's a it, it 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 is um it's absolutely amazing and when you really realize it maybe you have 60,000 people in a stadium they will open with The serenity prayer, but they'll ask for a moment's silence before the prayer starts, and the entire 70,000 people on a dime go into the quiet. And then in whatever language they say that prayer together, that prayer must go somewhere. When 60,000 people together in unity say either that prayer or any prayer that that uh, is said is just powerful. And some of those times have been very moving for me.
0: The other moving part at the end of the big meeting on Saturday, well, actually before the meeting, the big countdown, tell us about the sobriety countdown that they have at at the big meeting on Saturday night.
1: Saturday in Akron and Founders Day. Yes, in Akron. No, we weren't always this big. I mean, when it started in 45, Founders Day, and it has grown over the years and we weren't able to fit everybody in one building. Uh, So we now actually meet at a stadium, (laughs) a football stadium. Uh, And there is a countdown. And it's thrilling. The joy of a countdown starts uh, uh, from maybe the guy that just walked in and he's got an hour of sobriety or maybe 24 hours of sobriety or whatever he has. He gets recognized and there's such a roar of support. You know, there is so much unconditional love in Alcoholics Anonymous. That's one of the things that makes it, such a spiritual, beautiful way of life, people helping other people with nothing in it for them except to help another drunk, to help someone else and pass this thing forward. And so when that guy stands up and he's got 24 hours or whatever he's got, there isn't anybody in that stadium that isn't supporting him on his journey in sobriety. But then the thing builds, it builds, and it builds, and it builds. And everybody's clapping hands and patting people and just cheering each other on because this is a WE program. No one in a in a 12-step program does it alone. We get sober together. We do it together. It's a WE program for alcoholics and their families. When it gets up to
0: the guy with 60-some years, it's insane, the joy. It so, so, yeah, the countdown, we, they start with the first, you know, who's got a day, who's got, and you go all the way up to who's got the most years, and there's usually just a few gray-haired old people standing, in the, and the crowd just goes wild, as if they're like, Oprah's here. Yeah, oh, you yeah. know,
1: yeah, yeah, they're the ones that went before us, that's it. It works. Everyone that stands up is is testimony that this design for living that was started in 1935 and is 85 years later is still working in the lives and souls of the people that stand up.
0: And there is so much joy. It is beyond measure. When you say it works, tell us a little bit about the number 12 is big in AA. You've got 12 steps, 12 traditions, 12 promises. Mm -hmm. One, how did the number 12 become the number to organize things around? They'll like that number. He,
1: would, he had, you know, the Oxford group, most of the principles uh, come from that group. And he took them, some of the principles, and he wrote down six steps. They, there wasn't six steps in the Oxford group. Actually, let me just share this with you. There were four words, honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love. Before we had 12 steps, we only had those four words. Dr. Bob said those were the only yardsticks that we had. And they measured behavior by that. Now, how does that work? Well, there was four questions that went with the four words. Is what I'm about to think, say, or do, right or wrong, true or false, ugly or beautiful, and how does it help the other guy? You know, in, our, in the area, and cleveland area, those are still alive and well, and they're still discussed. Now, out of that, these principles, came Bill writing Six Steps. But the six steps, as he looked, and one night he was very depressed. Bill often would have these imaginary ulcers, probably because he had the world on his back and responsibility of trying to get this thing started. And he's laying in bed at Clinton Street, where he lived, and he looks at these six steps, and he says, wow, alcoholic could fall through the cracks of these six steps. So he began writing, and he says, out came the 12 steps. And so that was the night he took the sixth major 12th Then he counted it up and he said, wow, there's 12 of them. And he thought that was the spiritual number. There was 12 apostles. There was, you know, so in Bill's mind, that was a spiritual number. And then he went on uh, after he writes the steps. They appear in the book in April uh, of 39. That's when the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous will come out. Um, and then that would enabled AA to spread a lot more because they had a book at that point. So, and a little publicity from the Saturday Evening Post and Liberty Magazine helped kick this thing off. But during the 40s, they were really crazy times because as this thing spread throughout the world, especially the United States, pockets of people would get together and they'd come up with their own rules, their own regulations, their own committees to be a member of AA. And it, from where Bill stood, he saw this. because headquarters gets doesn't get established in Akron. It gets established in New York City where Bill's living. And so he's looking out over all this, and they sent out a survey to see what it would take to become a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And when the survey came back, they looked at it, and they said, oh, my God, even the co-founders, Bob and Bill, couldn't become members. They were so stringent rules and regulations and committees and stuff. So Bill needed to unify for the future. And he put in another 12 protective principles to protect AA from actually the ego, property, money, prestige. He put in there, you know, there's, there's no good organization, business or anything that doesn't have a mission statement or a purpose. And he knew that we would get involved in all kinds of things that the fellowship itself would go many different directions. And he would need to pull them back to one to remember that it was created to help another alcoholic and that that's the job and the purpose of Alcoholics Anonymous. So he put in 12 protective measures to keep the Society of Alcoholics
0: Anonymous united. And those are called the 12 traditions. And I love that it's so simple that I think the third tradition is the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. That's it. I mean, that's pretty basic. Right. Well, one of our slogans, or one of AA's
1: slogans is keep it simple. So <laughs> we shouldn't be too organized, which is what was
0: happening. And I love that you mentioned that because there's a beautiful uh, passage that Bill Wilson in his book, As Bill Sees It, he talks about the last time he saw Dr. Bob. He said Dr. Bob was going to go through a serious operation He said the old broad smile was on his face as he said, almost jokingly, remember, Bill, let's not louse this thing up. Let's keep it simple. Bill wrote, I turned away, unable to say a word. That was the last time I ever saw him. His last words, Dr. Bob, let's keep it simple. And so do you think the traditions were a way to to ensure that simplicity?
1: Well, Bill writes along with them, they were to ensure the future of Alcoholics Anonymous. There had been other movements. There had been other, there's a the temperance movement. There was the Washingtonian movement. There were other movements similar to Alcoholics Anonymous. And Bill came to know about those other movements, but he saw a flaw. Why hadn't they continued? What happened? Like the Washingtonians was started in the mid-1800s, they grew really quick, there were parades, there were all kinds of things, and the next thing they know, almost overnight, they disappeared. And he saw in that that what had happened to them is they'd forgotten their purpose. They They started getting involved in the wet and dry movement, they started pledging people that weren't even alcoholics, trying to bring them in. And so he built in protection from those kinds of things happening to AA. Reserve it for the future and the future people that might need it. Those
0: are all spiritual principles. That is true. Let me ask you about the big book, the book Alcoholics Anonymous. How did it get nicknamed the big book? Because <laughs> it was big. <laughs> <laughs> is that really why? It was just thick?
1: Yeah. and Well, and they had, they, apparently when they went to Cornwall Press and they, Took it there. They must have had some deal. It was big and red too. Of all things, to be anonymous, walking down the street with a big old red book
0: <laughs> that says "Alcohol yeah. Anonymous" on the
1: cover. <laughs> yeah, Bill said they used thick paper to make to make the alcoholic think he'd get his money's worth out of it. So they were they were promoting uh, promoting that. Bill was a salesman, you know, and quite a promoter. So uh, that's what Bill says. But I, I think that that's just what they negotiated with Cornwall Press, and uh, they thought that would be pretty impressive.
0: They have a big, thick book, and it's over—I think five hundred seventy-some pages. There's a lot in there.
1: Well, the, the the first part is actually how it works. It's got Bill's story, but you know the the second half of the book in the back for people that identification is important in Alcoholics Anonymous. One of the reasons Bob couldn't get sober in two and a half years in the Oxford group is because he's with all these high society people and they weren't talking about his problem. And there was a lot of shame at that time connected with, with having the problem with no cure. So he never shared, neither did his wife and that was the problem. And so what they decided to do was to put stories in and have people from their own words, different people, sometimes women, sometimes men, all types of different people because alcoholism doesn't care. It's men and women who normally would not mix. So they have a variety of stories, which gets updated from uh, different generations. We started out with those early stories that were from Akron and we've now printed that book. i are in the fourth edition and there's new stories, more current stories, but it's people giving testimony to what the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous will do for your life. And the detours, as you say that in every story, there is a major detour there. In the story of Alcoholics Anonymous, there's that, Carl Jung talks about synchronicity. Again, I call them slender threads. You know, everybody has to be at the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And and how does all that happen? And I believe every person has slender threads in their lives. They have little detours, things that have happened. If they look back in hindsight in their story, they'll see that something else was working in their lives that, or they wouldn't be who they are today.
0: Well, Gail, we just have a couple minutes here. I want to talk for just a little bit about the slender thread that connected you to Bill Wilson's wife, Lois, that led you to help save Dr. Bob's house in Akron and make it a place people can still go and visit. How did that happen? How did that come about? Wow. I didn't wake up that morning and expect what happened.
1: Obviously, Bob and Bill used to go to Founders Day. They passed. Everybody's gone except for Lois. And this would be 1983. Uh, I was asked if I would hostess Lois Wilson when she came to Founders Day. And I didn't even know what to do. So I said, What do I do? Well, just seat her and her companions or whatever. I said, Okay. So, why I'm doing that, I meet a woman by the name of Nell Wing. Nell Wing is a very bubbly, wonderful gal. And she introduces herself as Bill Wilson's secretary, who was with him during the writing of one of the books in AA called The 12 and 12. She begins to tell me all about her 18 years with Bill, and um, eventually she would be the first AA archivist who would take all this history and try to compile it in New York at the headquarters office. As I was seating her, I said, well, Nell, if there's ever anything I can do for you, just ask. And she said, yes, Gail, there is. I would like you to start an archives. At that point, Akron hadn't really done anything with its history at all. We really had no historical sites or anything. Uh, We were busy 12-stepping. People in Akron were very, very busy because the treatment centers, we were the treatment center. AA was the treatment center. And so um, I didn't know what that was all about. So eventually I got involved in the purchase of Dr. Bob's home, and I thought, great, this will work, right? So I called Nell up and I went to New York and I said please train me I don't know anything I'm a, I'm a school teacher but I don't know a lot about archiving so will you teach me and she took me into her home I went out and visited Lois I, there's another co-founder's home at Stepping Stones where Lois was still alive it was a living museum she was living there and I learned the difference between what a personal family like the Smiths or the Wilsons their heritage should be kept in these foundations. But that Alcoholics Anonymous should keep its own history. So at first I was going to put it into the house, but because of traditions, AA can't own property. So what I eventually did was for about 10 years, I did what I could to try to get people interested in it. And eventually after 10 years, the office in Akron asked me if I would come in and establish an archives. And I think that was in 94. It officially opened in 95. It, and it's certainly a great place for people to visit if they come to Akron. And I do want to encourage anyone that hears this podcast to tell you that today it is different in Akron. The little gate lodge that Bob and Bill met in is now open to the public. It's on the property of Stan Hewitt with the Cyberlings. Uh, you can, that's a beautiful visit in itself. And if you want to visit the little gate lodge, you can actually go into the room that Dr. Bob and Bill met in. Dr. Bob's home is closed now because of the coronavirus. You can visit it online and uh, take a tour there. And I'm sure stay tuned. More will be revealed and that will be open soon. Our office is open and in our office on Main Street, there is a beautiful archives uh, with 26 displays on the outside walk you through the history of AA. You can visit the grave. There's Akron has a a lot of visitors come from all over the world. It is an international spot. In fact, I do want to mention Dr. Bob's House is a national historic landmark. You'll see two plaques on the door uh, as
0: you enter. It's on the National Registry and it's a national historic landmark. Well, Gail, L. I want to thank you so much for joining us, Gail L. Z. Akron, AA archivist and archivist for Dr. Bob's Home. And we're going to have links on my website, reginabrett.com, where you can learn more about AA, more about Founder's Day, the virtual Founder's Day this year, and Dr. Bob's House and other things. And Gail, I always ask people this question. What is the best thing you do for yourself every day to create a life you love out of the life you have? I practice gratitude. So as I, as
1: I look through the eyes of
0: gratitude, the whole world can be beautiful every day.
1: You just have to use your eyes to find it.
0: That is beautiful. Gratitude. And I'm going to take away the slender thread. That is just so beautiful, that slender thread. Thank you so much, Gail L. I I I so appreciate all your wisdom today. Thank you, Regina. Thanks for listening to Little Detours with Regina Brett. If you want to know more about today's guest and topic, head to my podcast page at reginabrett.com. There you can also subscribe to my email newsletter so you never miss an opportunity to be inspired. For more episodes, you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review my show so we can reach and inspire even more people. Thanks for joining us today. Now go make something possible.